You're listening to Inch by Inch, the ultimate home comfort show, live on AM980 and online at am980.ca. Got a question about plumbing, heating, or air conditioning? Call now, 519-643-2222 or 1-866-354-8255. Now, here's your hosts, Peter and Steve. Good morning. I'm Peter Inch, along with Steve Gilbert. We are co-hosts of the Inch by Inch, the ultimate home comfort show. Presented by Roy Inch and Sons Heating, Air Conditioning and Plumbing, a service experts company, and a four-time winner of the Consumer's Choice Award, and a three-time winner of the London Free Press Best of London, and the London Community News Reader's Choice Award. Thank you for listening today and hope you'll be able to listen every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 as we provide you, our listeners, with some information on your heating, air conditioning, and plumbing. But most, uh, most important, the phone lines are open. So you can call in at 519-643-2222 or 1-866-354-8255. Or you can send an email to inchbyinch at serviceexperts.com. And one lucky caller today will win a free duck cleaning. Nice. So how are you, Steve? I'm tired. Tired? Yes. You were at the home show uh, last night? My feet are tired, yes. Yeah. How, how's the show look this year? show looks great. There's certainly, there's, uh, it, it, there are some great booths, and there's some very nice things. Uh, so, as well as, you know, the comments that we get when people walk by our booth because of our attire. Uh, it, so, all in all, it, was, it started off good last night, and I, I anticipate that this weekend it'll be very busy. So the show's open as soon as our show ends today. The home show is open at 10 and uh, goes to 8 tonight. And then it's open Saturday, uh, 11 to 5. So yes. if you're down there, stop by, say hello to Steve. Unfortunately, I won't be at the home show this week. Oh, but you're there in spirit, Peter. Uh, I am. There's a, maybe <laughs> if you're down, you can try to find me. But uh, I'll be at the uh, Canadian Junior Men's and Women's Curling Championship presented by the Egg Farmers of Ontario. Uh, the semifinals are going today at 2 p.m. for the women, 7 p.m. 7 p.m. for the men, and the finals tomorrow will be at 10 a.m. for the women and uh, 3 p.m. for the men, and you can catch them on uh, TSN. You know, any, uh, you know any good egg jokes? Get cracking. Yeah, I do. Sunny side. No, I, I won't oh, get it. Please into don't. My, yeah. okay. But I did get a laugh. On the opening ceremonies, I did an egg joke, and I got, got laughter, so... Everybody at work didn't want me to do the egg joke. No, we didn't. We heard some of them that you were practicing (laughs) on, and we thought, no, that's not, they're they're not appropriate. I did get a laugh. Okay. It was good. Okay. But uh, one thing I want to say, I've been driving back and forth every night from Stratford, and you really get a, a, you know, a different perspective of how far, how hard farmers work. So seeing all the milking parlors that were open, and everybody's, you know, 11 o'clock at night, they're out there milking the cattle. You know, we, Steve and I come uh, from St. Thomas. You worked on a farm for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, we did the uh, refrigeration on bulk milk coolers for dairy farmers. So you get a different perspective, but really driving back and forth and seeing, you know, that glass of milk that I just take out of the fridge and drink, how hard farmers are out there working to get that on our table or whether it's grain or eggs. You know, from the egg farmers of Ontario, you know, it really appreciate how hard the farmers are working out there. Well, it's a very nice, um, very nice accolade to the farmers of Ontario. Yeah. 
I honked when I drove by everyone I'm... You know, so that they knew knew I was going by. So might have upset the cattle a little bit, but I just wanted to let them know that somebody else was out there too. So we've had a few questions coming in. We had one come in from Scott that came in uh, on our email, and it said, Gentlemen, I have a bad odor in one room of my condo unit. When the furnace shuts off and the last of the heat flows out of the heating duct, the odor follows, but just in the one room. Filter is new, water in the humidifier is fresh, and the ducts were clean this past week. Uh, nothing has helped. Where do I go from here? Thanks, Scott. That's a toughie. Yeah. Um, so you've done all the right things, Scott. You've, you've, you know, you've, the duct cleaning would have been my first recommendation, but you've tackled that one. And so that I would, you'd really, the only way to really know is to, to put, you know, to have us come probably and put a camera down there and, and see if it's in the ductwork. I don't know if it's if it's just dedicated to that room. Is there something in that room close to the register that's maybe causing odor, like the, the carpet, or did the previous owners have a cat or a dog? Or uh, because there are some cases where uh, animals have urinated down ductwork, and and that is in there, and you really there's 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 not much. You really need to do more investigation to find out what's going on. Yeah, and if a animal had done urinated down it, what can happen is it gets into the metal. So even duct cleaning can't clean that out of the metal. You know, the, there is a joints where the metal goes together on an elbow right. or on a piece of pipe, and if it gets down in there, it can stay there. Right. And so why there's a lot of air flowing across it, it's mixing with the air and you really don't notice it. But then at the end, that last bit of air coming out, it's a little stronger, and and you start to notice yeah. it. But I, I'd certainly I would I would just give it more investigation because it it may it may be around the register, but you're just smelling it right there. So there might be something just underneath the register, or it may be carpet or or under pad or something. But certainly you're you're going to need a little bit more investigation. We can stick a camera down there to scope it to see if there is anything in the ductwork that looks suspicious. But other than that. Not without tearing things up. Yeah, and we may see the stain mark mm-hmm. and, and can determine. And let's say that is it. The only way to get rid of that is to replace that pipe. Right, which to remove could that be piece. opening a ceiling or wherever it is to make that happen. Yeah. But hope that helps, Scott. Yeah. Uh, you know, give us a call and we can set up someone to go by and definitely uh, scope that and take a look at that for you. Um, we had uh, one question that we'll answer when we come back from the break. Uh, is what percent of humidity should be in the home. But if you have any questions, please give us a call at 519-643-2222 or 1-866-354-8255. You're listening to Inch by Inch, the ultimate home comfort show, live on AM980 and online at am980.ca. Got a question about plumbing, heating, or air conditioning? Call now, 519-643-2222 or 1-866-354-8255. Now, once again, your hosts, Peter and Steve. Thank you and welcome back. Um, just before the break there, I, sit, I was asking you, you know, we get a lot of questions is what percentage of humidity is ideal in the home? Right. Um, so what, what do you think uh, the best is? percentage well uh, in the in the winter it's obviously we need moisture in the house so 
uh, typically we 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 advise our clients to try and maintain anywhere from it's a range anywhere from thirty five to forty five percent. Really, the your house is going to tell you what it can handle. What I mean by that is if you start adding more and more humidity in the house and you're pushing it above 45% and then it turns really cold outside, there's a really strong chance that you're going to get some water on the inside of your window. At that point in time, you've just passed the point of, you know, there's too much moisture in the house now. So there, there, is, a, there is a range. The humidifiers we uh, install for people these days have an automated uh, sensor, which will, it fluctuates. So it, what it does... On every humidistat, you know, there's that dial that, that people have down down around their furnace, and it, it'll it'll say 10, 20, 30. But in brackets, it'll also give you temperatures. No one ever adjusts those things. No, nobody goes downstairs. <laughs> no. So when it goes to minus 20, no one goes downstairs and dials that thing till, so it says minus 20. So what happens when you get up in the morning, there's a good chance there'll be water in your windows. So the controllers we install with our humidifiers actually have a sensor which know that it went to minus 20 last night and will start adjusting the humidity level back in the house. That way, when you wake up in the morning, your windows are going to be clear. So it's it's just kind of one of those things you kind of set and forget and you just take it for granted. But you really, in answer to your question, 35 to 45%. Yeah. And, and on that, I call it an auto track. We put a sensor outside, so it's sensing the temperature outside as well as sensing the humidity level inside. Right. So it does the thinking for you. Um, so a lot of times people say, well, why should I get a new humidifier? Just for the control is worth getting a humidifier. Yes. But we talk a lot about indoor air quality, and humidifiers have a lot to do with that indoor air quality, whether it's the older type, which is bad for indoor air quality if it's in a drum type or like you were talking about the new style that will make it better in the home right so uh but you you definitely need moisture in your house in the in the in the winter time and what else contributes to bad indoor air quality oh my goodness there's probably lots of things um there's the scary dust mite that they that you see on some pictures they've got this uh bug which looks like it'll it'll it's an alien but that's magnified a hundred thousand times. It's it's you know probably not as big as a pinhead, but but so there. But bad indoor air quality are it could be a house that's too airtight, and now all of a sudden you've got cooking odors, uh, you've got sprays and perfumes that you're putting into the air. That nowadays in a, in the old home that you and I grew up in, it there was lots of air, lots of space, so. Lots of fresh air in the house. You never really, you never really got sick. But now with the house that we're building today, wrapped up in plastic, can't breathe. You need ventilation in order to make the house healthy. Yeah. So if you don't put, if you don't have ventilation, then you're breathing in all those chemicals, which is not really healthy for you. So that's bad air quality. Dust is bad air quality. Pet danders. So if you've got pets, like you know, Flurry's a great example. Your dog. You have to clean your ductwork a lot more than I do. Yeah, just too often. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's flurry. Yeah, this dog's costing me a lot of money. Oh yes, but you know you can't. Get, she's too nice to get rid of Peter. <laughs> now we talk a lot about 
you know, VOCs. What is what's the VOC mean? A VOC is what they, it stands for volatile organic compound. So you would understand it as formaldehyde or um, any type of gas that occurs in in a home, like new carpeting or new furniture has those chemicals in them, and they call it off gassing. So what happens? That furniture, that new furniture, that new carpet you put in your house or that new hardwood floor is great. You put it down, but then it hits that warm temperature, and it. but they call it off-gassing. So that product all of a sudden emits chemical into the air at room temperature. So they call those VOCs. It's kind of like we always say, oh, yeah, that new car smell. Yes, that, that new, new car smell. That new car smell is VOCs. It's VOCs. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the reason it goes away is after it's done off-gassing all that, then it doesn't smell like a new car anymore. Yeah, so then you go and you find a product to put more VOCs back in the air <laughs> to make right. it smell br- like a new and car. And breathe yes. it in. So, um, We get a lot of questions on the humidifiers. They use a lot of water than the old drum type, the flow-throughs. Uh, is that so? Or is there a way that it can use less water? I would hazard that if it's using a lot of water, uh, two things. It wasn't ever set up properly in the first place. And what I mean by that, that valve which opens up to turn the, to put the water through the pad is not doesn't, doesn't understand how much water is going through it. So it's either fully open or fully closed. So you have to regulate the flow at the valve itself. So where you... At, at the uh, ball valve that we put on, you adjust right there the flow of the water going in. So if you open that wide open, there's no possible way that humidifier can evaporate all that water. And a good thing you said there was a ball valve. So yes. a lot of times we see, I call them a needle valve. Piercing or a, valve, yes. At, that they screw in, and those will gum up and leak and all kinds of problems. And seize. A ball valve is a better way to go because you really can uh, You can adjust. regulate the flow, yes. Yeah, exactly. And now, so that, that itself, you can't, that way you can regulate how much, water, how much water goes through that pad. The only other thing is if the, if the pad's dirty, right, or it's, it's an old pad. Right. It's just going to, instead of going through and being absorbed by the clay on the pad, it's just going to flow by it. That's right. Um, should it be hooked to hot or cold water? Good question. <laughs> That would depend on the house. Um, really, if you're running, if if you've, we run into this issue a lot. If 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 it's hooked to cold water and it's not doing the job, our first recommendation is going to be moving it to hot. And when you move it to hot, you can run your furnace fan often, or put your furnace fan on a more steady cycle, and you're going to get humidity. It's it's going to allow the humidifier to put more humidity in the air at all times. Um, it's, it's really, it's a, it's a, it's a case by case, uh, situation. We can't, I can't really say neither here nor there, but. Right. The normal is to hook it to cold. That is our normal standard practice. But if a humidity level isn't being reached the 35 to 45, the next thing that we would try would be hooking it up to the hot water at that point. But normally you hook it to cold. And then if, um, we're not getting the humidity level we desire, now, there can be other things that's causing that humidity level. Not that's to be, right. It may not be the humidifier, but if it is, we'll then hook it up to hot water and, and see what that does. Yeah, like if you're sleeping, if, if you have to sleep with your bedroom window wide open all night long, any moisture you're putting in the house is running out that window. Is that with, because a, you're along. snoring? Is that why the window's You know, open? we don't need to go down this road. <laughs> <laughs> a 
Apparently, yes. Maybe uh, we should get Annette on one. Just we'll have her come on to the show should one we? time. Yes, and, and we and can let... kind of get all the inside scoop on you. Ah, well, interesting. We were at the Consumer's Choice Award um, just the other night, and at our table, they were talking about um, a couple of people at the table were talking about snoring, and they had gone to hypnotherapy to uh, relieve that. So I happened to mention that to Annette, and she <laughs> figures that that's a pretty interesting, you know, she says, what's taking you so long? Are you not, do you have an appointment? So a Christmas present, maybe, or a birthday. It'll be too, that's yeah, be... too too far away. It has to happen sooner than that. <laughs> yeah, I, I have heard a couple of people have done that. So. Yes. Uh, from London, London Hypnotherapy. Well, this, you know, Gilles. Yep. Yeah. So I've, I've, I have to make an appointment with him and uh, see, well, see what he can do. Let me know how it goes. Does he do dogs? Because Flurry snores. Yeah, but what does Flurry say about you? Does she have a complaint as well or not? <laughs> no, she just, as long as I feed her, oh, okay. the dog's happy. Yeah. Everything's great. So, <laughs> um, We've been doing, you've been getting a few questions at the home show about buying water heaters from us. Yes. Um, but they don't want them installed. They just like to purchase them. They just want to purchase the water heater, yes. And, of course, that's something we will not do. Absolutely not. Um, and the comment comes, well, I can go to Home Depot and buy it. I can go to Canadian Tire and buy it. Um, but in our case, we won't risk our company, our licenses, our reputation by selling a gas water heater over the counter and have a homeowner install it and not know whether that was done correctly. But you can install any gas product you want in your home, but you can't turn it on until it's inspected by a licensed gas fitter. Right. So why wouldn't you just have a licensed gas fitter put it in the first place? Yeah. And I and I don't have that legal department like a lot of these big box companies do. So I'm not going to do anything that's going to risk our company in any way. It's, no, it's but, not worth it. Yeah, T- TSSA doesn't care. They just they want to know who was at fault and what happened. So when we come back, we've got a question that has come in about what is a heat pump. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about... Hyperheat pumps by Mitsubishi. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk a little bit about air-to-air heat pumps. And we'll just touch, we don't do them, but geothermal, geothermal yep. or ground source heat pumps right. that are also available out there. But that's something that we don't touch or, or we don't work on in, in any way, but we will bring that up. But heat pumps have been something you have sold probably. How many of heat pumps over the years oh. have you done yourself sold? Hundreds. Yeah, I mean, we did a lot back in the day. Uh, in the 80s, York and Carrier, we had sold at that time. So they had a, a lot of really good heat pumps. So uh, we've got good information on it. Uh, it's something that we think at the right application it's good for. Yes. So when we come back, we'll definitely talk about that. But the phone lines are open. We'd love to hear from you locally at 519-643-2222 or one 866 Three five four eight two five five. You're listening to Inch by Inch, the ultimate home comfort show, live on AM980 and online at am980.ca. Got a question about plumbing, heating, or air conditioning? Call now, 519-643-2222 or 1-866-354-8255. Now, once again, your hosts, Peter and Steve. Welcome back. If you're hoping to be listening to the MedPoint Half Hour of Health right now, it will be coming on at 10 o'clock. We appreciate them uh, moving back a half an hour to allow us to do an hour show. Um, but uh, make sure you tune in at 10 o'clock for the MedPoint Half Hour of Health. 
We're talking a little bit about uh, water heaters, people buying them over the counter. But it's kind of the same thing if you bought a furnace or you bought parts from someplace else. Right. And you give us a call wanting us to install them. That can be a problem as well. It can be. Uh, it, the internet these days is kind of an interesting tool. People, people tend to go on there to find all kinds of information. I do as well. Some people actually will go online and order parts and self-diagnose their equipment and order parts on the internet. Yeah, and then call us and wanting us to install them, and, and it causes two or three problems. I mean, is the part CSA approved? First. You know, um, if we install that part and that doesn't fix it, now who's paying? You know, like you're paying us to diagnose really what's wrong at that time. Um, you can't take the part off. Because if you do, I mean, you can, but you, you now own it. You can't it's, send it back. Right. It's been installed. So it's it's definitely uh, something that, you know, people have to be careful of. And I always say, you know, don't, uh, Google is a wonderful tool, but it's not a tool to fix anything that's out there. So uh, make sure you really have a professional diagnose it and then get the right part at that point. Right. So, we're going to head to the uh, phone lines, and we have Connie. Go ahead with your question, Connie. Yes. Um, we had a low-flow t- toilet put in about four years ago and then had to re- have it replaced last year. The, um, where the cold water or the fresh water comes in at the front of the toilet had solidified, and they were saying that it's some kind of medication that one of my husband or I are on. Is that normal? <laughs> it, it can be. Um, and they could. There was no way to get it cleaned out. They took the toilet out, put it on the lawn, chipped out what they could. They thought they had it, but it just no. It, it they turned around and it can't. It had to come back the next day and take the mm. toilet out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it 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 happens. It is is something that can occur. Uh, it's not common. It's not something that we're doing. You know, every month. But we do maybe see that once or twice a year where we we mm-hmm. run into that. Oh, great. Uh, so there's no guarantee that won't do it again. That's right. I mean, it it may be there is, and I'm, the name is slipping me, so <laughs> I might say give me a call, but there is a product that can be put in like a delimer, descaler. The, the, the plumber did put in something, and what it did was fracture the toilet. <laughs> oh, yeah. But if you do, the, if you do it often, mm-hmm. then it shouldn't get that It doesn't bad. build up at that point right. in time. Yeah, is there any way of knowing which medication would cause that? No, I I would have to be a physics person, to, <laughs> and that's well, not not in my field. <laughs> but uh, no, I I you it may be something you can check with your doctor or your pharmacist. Okay, yeah. who may be able to give you a little more information. All on right, that. yeah. So. Excellent. Okay, thanks, Thank Connie. Thanks, Connie. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye. Yeah, it's D. It's D scaler or D limer. I think it's D limer is is what that that uh, stuff is called. But uh, give me a call at the shop, Connie, and I'll pull the bottle out and read right off at what it is. And that's definitely something you can use. Right. So we were talking about heat pumps. No, we were talking about. Were we done with the parts thing? Yeah, we're done with the parts thing. Okay, don't, moving along. Don't Google. <laughs> Do not buy parts on the internet. That's right. Call Peter's personal cell phone because yeah. he is—he's HVAC Google. Yeah, it's not—it's uh, not a good thing to do. But before we went off, we were going to talk a little bit about heat pumps, right? And how well they—they uh, 
they work at in certain situations. So maybe explain a little bit about a heat pump. Make sure you use my kitchen analysis. I don't like your kitchen analysis. Oh, no. You can you can use it after yeah. I explain it. Okay. People get confused. <laughs> but a heat pump is is it looks like an air conditioner, smells like an air conditioner, and and so it has a an outdoor portion, at least an air to air heat pump. It has an outdoor portion and it has an indoor portion. The uh, indoor the indoor portion sits above your furnace or air handler, and it's called a, a coil, and then it connects to the outdoor part that we refer to as the condensing unit. So, like your air conditioner does in the summertime, your coil ta- absorbs the heat and the moisture from inside the house and moves it outside to that condensing unit. Okay? So, really, all air conditioning does is move heat from inside to outside. Okay? Okay. Does that sound all right so far? So far. Okay. Then, if you can imagine that, in the wintertime, the two just reverse their roles. So now the condensing unit becomes the, the heat absorber, and then the coil inside above the furnace is where it gets released to. So every home has a heat pump in it right now. It does. It's called a refrigerator. All right. So in your refrigerator, your food, your ice cream, everything's frozen solid. But when you walk by that refrigerator, the floor's warm. It's hot behind, yes. Air's coming out, and that is what a heat pump does. So the freezing temperature inside the fridge, it pulls the heat out to keep everything frozen. Right. And then sends the heat into your kitchen, and that's what you feel in warmth, even though it's minus... 10 degrees in that freezer section, it's there's heat there. And so outside when it's minus 10, instead of us making heat, which is what we do with propane or natural gas or electricity, a heat pump just moves the heat. Right. So we hear out there they're 200, 300% efficient. And the reason that is, is it's because they're not making heat, they're just moving it. But 20 years ago when we were selling heat pumps... They didn't like to run at minus ten. They were, you know, they were they were happy anywhere from minus five Celsius and up. They didn't like the really really cold temperatures. Right, and that's where the hyperheat pump has come in now. Right. So Mitsubishi made this product called Hyperheat, and what it does is it if it allows that heat pump to continue to work all the way down to minus twenty five, minus twenty eight degrees Celsius. Right. It's amazing, actually. Which, how often do we get that in this area? Well, not often. Um, the past two years were anomalies, uh, but this year we haven't hit that temperature yet. So those, um, actually we had some people come by. We put a uh, Mitsubishi heat pump in their home. They came by the home show yesterday and were, and were talking to me. And their month, their first bill on their electric, which is typically in the wintertime, anywhere from seven to $800, it costs them a month to heat their home. Uh, they got a $300 bill. And they were absolutely thrilled. So they could save up to $400, $500 a month. A month. That can pay for a system pretty quickly. Very quickly, yes. So if it is now, we say a lot of times, natural gas furnace with an air conditioner is an efficient way to go. But if you're out in the country, a heat pump is definitely, or you're on electric heat, a heat pump is definitely something to look at. Well, these new hyper units, yes, because obviously... um, Having an oil furnace in your home is frowned upon these days. The insurance companies don't want you to have an oil furnace anymore. They don't want that oil tank sitting anywhere near the property because, you know, if the tank lets go, then there's a huge 
a huge cost to clean up. So oil is being frowned upon. Propane typically costs more in the winter months. So even though hydro is expensive, this heat pump technology is an economical way to heat your home. Well, great. We're going to just take another quick break here. So again, the phone lines are open. Give us a call at 519-643-2222 or 1-866-354-8255. You're listening to Inch by Inch, the ultimate home comfort show, live on AM980 and online at am980.ca. Got a question about plumbing, heating, or air conditioning? Call now, 519-643-2222 or 1-866-354-8255. Now, once again, your hosts, Peter and Steve. Well, we just heard the Stratford uh, Canadian Junior Curling Championship ad there. Yeah, your ears perked up. Yeah, I love that. So if you're in Stratford at the Curling Championship, say hello to Peter. If you're at the home show this weekend, say hello to Steve. Uh, You can catch us at both places. And you know what? Our coats are just as loud. (laughs) You're wearing something red and I'm wearing something different. Yeah. Yep, that's right. I, I... I almost don't mind wearing the red coat. I'm sure you do because you can get out of wearing the coats that we're wearing. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, thank you. We're going to go to the phone lines. We got uh, Frank on the line. Go ahead with your question, Frank. Oh, hi. I'm just uh, wondering, how do you know when it's time to replace your water heater? I have a rented one, and uh, I'm just looking at it now. It looks like it was pressure tested in uh, uh, 2007. I mean, the water here looks fine on the outside, and we haven't had any issues. But, uh, you know, when there's talk about, you know, leaking and so forth, potentially being there, just wondering um, how do you know when it's time to replace it? It, It's very hard to know if that tank's going to be let go. I mean, if we see signs of water dripping or little leaks, that's a sign. But normally on the average, we're saying 10 years. Okay. Uh, when you look at a unit and it's 10 years old, uh, then we are saying be careful after that. You've got to really pay attention to your water heater. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've seen them last 30 years. We've seen them last five years. Yeah, because you guys are talking sometimes about draining the tank, and I've never done anything like that. Yeah, and if you've never, if you get a new water heater and you drain it every year, that's a good thing. If you've never drained it, do not open the tap. Because okay. once you open it, it probably will not seal after yeah, that. Yeah, you'll have a hard time closing it. Then. Yeah, and you'll have a drip there from that point on. Yeah. Yes, it's like Pandora's box. You yes. can't close it. That's a good analogy, Frank. <laughs> okay. So uh, just what, what really, what do you suggest, the bottom line? Uh, once it's 10 years, our rentals, for example, after 10 years, you own it. Mm-hmm. So people at that point can rent another new water heater or they can take the chance, no more rentals cost and keep the water heater. But we're saying 10 years, usually the life of a water heater. Yeah, because I don't think this one, it works the same system. It's uh, like yours is, where after 10 years, it's yours. So they, they, you know. Yeah, you and norm, most of the other rental companies out there, you just keep paying rent every year and they hope the water heater never breaks down or never leaks, and you could have a, a 20, 30-year-old water heater in there that you're still paying the same rental cost on. So if you call them in, they what will they do? Just do a, a water pressure test? Yep, they'll come out. You you can ask, what if you replace that tank? What would my rental cost be? 
If it's not going to change, I would probably recommend replacing it. Mm-hmm. If it, it is going to change, then that's a decision you have to make and you have to weigh the risks versus, you know, if I did get a leak in the basement, what would be the, the you know, damage that it will cause. Yeah, they, right here it says soap test. That's all they did. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's more for the gas the gas hookup, Frank, that's got nothing to do with the tank itself. So yeah, that's, I, didn't, I yeah. didn't think so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. You. Bye. Bye. Yeah, and that, that is, you know, a difference between our rental program with water heaters versus uh, the other competitors out there. Right. That uh, you, you, we do two things different. After 10 years, you own it. And we put in a guaranteed not more than 2.5% rental increase each year. Where in other contracts they can go up ten, six, fifteen percent, and and you never know each year of what that's going to go up until you get your bill. That's right, and that's normally when we get a lot of phone right. calls. And when you open, you open it up, you go, boy, that's not what I paid last month. Mm-hmm. So definitely um, something to take a look at, and make sure you're checking that water heater. If you have somebody looking at your house, you've gone away for the winter or, you know, for a couple of weeks, holidays, have them make sure they check the water heater. Too. Well, make sure you turn it back to vacation, right? Yeah. And just so that you're not, that tank isn't running at 140 degrees while you're away. Or tankless and you don't have a, a 40 gallons or 50 gallons of water sitting there. That's right. So. Yeah. And make sure you do your maintenance on your tankless, right, Peter? Yes. Every year, Steve, <laughs> every year you need, you know, Get a plus agreement, and we'll come out and look after that for you. You know, it, it, I had I was in a customer's home. I told you this uh, earlier this week, and uh, uh, apparently you were taking some shots at me. So I am. Um, what me? Yes, yeah. I would take. You were shots using at you? me as an example of what not to do. <laughs> yes. yes. Well, we'll 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 save that for another show. Thank you. Uh, yeah. But we had a customer. Uh, Joe called, sent in an email, said he wanted to ask, what's the difference in BTUs from a townhouse to a mansion when you buy a furnace? Uh, well, any any house we go into to do a proper assessment, we do something called a load calculation. So we have a, what, what we figure out the BTU requirement for your home. So but the difference between a townhouse and a mansion is really is um, volume of air as well as wall space and number of windows. All those things factor BTUs. So when I go into your house, I measure the square footage, measure your windows, which way they face, how big they are, and we plug them into our load calculator, and it will exactly tell me how many BTUs of heating and of air conditioning you need so that we can properly size the equipment for you. So if you've got an 800-square-foot home, you know, the amount of BTUs it it takes to heat an 800-square-foot home versus a 2,500-square-foot home would be different. That's what, And they make furnaces for all sizes. One size does not fit all. One size does not fit all. It does not, no. So it's no longer the thumb. Hold your thumb up. If it's bigger than your thumb, it needs a three-ton. Well, you, you could do that. And, yeah. you know, just as long as you guess on the high side, you know, you're going to be better. But the house isn't going to be as comfortable as it could be or should be because you're you're going to be too small isn't as, isn't, is just as bad as too big. Too big, your furnace short cycles, causes a lot of wear and tear on it, and it's going to shorten its life expectancy. Too small, it's never going to shut off. You're never going to be happy. If it gets really, really cold outside, you may not achieve the temperatures you're trying to. So we're coming to the end of our show here, but we got an email in from Sandy. It says, hi, Peter and Steve. Roy Inch installed our York heat pump in 1988. We only use it for air conditioning, and there has been some repairs to it over the years. 
What is the lifespan of a normal heat pump? <laughs> well, Sandy, you've surpassed it. Uh, <laughs> congratulations. No, but it, typically a uh, product these days is 15 to 20 years. And, you know, we give that scale because it's only as good as your maintenance plan. If you look after your equipment, it will reward you with a longer life than if you don't look after it at all. Yeah. So, I mean, that's coming up to almost 30, what is 28 years old? Yes. And, yeah. uh, you know, has done very well. Well, they've probably extended its life by simply because when they moved it to air conditioning only, they've... they've It's only running half the year Yes, now. they've extended its life. So, yes. But probably good install by Roy Inch. Absolutely. That's kind the reason of, why it lasted as long as it did. Yeah. We say, you know, you can buy the best equipment in the world, but if it isn't installed correctly, yeah, um, it, it can be a problem. Yeah. So... Again, 70% of the lifespan of an equipment is the first day of its operation and, and how it was properly installed. So thanks, Sandy, for that email that came in, and yep. thank you for listening. We do uh, appreciate it and uh, appreciate everybody uh, that g- gives us a call. Well, before you close, uh, just a shout-out to Tom. He's doing a good job today yep. behind the glass, you know, making sure that we sound good. So thanks, Tom. And did the uh, Lightning win? Oh, Lightning won. I missed the game again. I was up at Curling. I'm just too busy. I can't get to those London Lightning games. But if get out there. It's great basketball. I really, uh, I really miss it when I miss that game. And so. we're working a 50-50 on February the 4th at Fe- the Lightning game. That's right. It's going to be Roy Inch and Sons Day at the Lightning game. Uh, we'll be selling 50-50 in the concourse, so don't try to get by us. It isn't going to work. We're raising money for the Sanders Schmerler Foundation. Uh, for uh, premature babies. Yes. So uh, definitely hope to see everybody there, and we want to set a record. We're setting it right here. We're going for a record. We want to raise the most money that's ever been raised at a London Lightning game, so make sure that you you get out and see us. I'll have my game face on. All right. Okay. I'll be, your sales need to come through that day. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, when we're not on the radio, you can reach us by giving us a call in London and St. Thomas at 519 519- Six eight one two four five zero, or in Sarnia you can call us at five one nine seven eight six two three seven three, or you can always get us at one eight six six experts or online at royinch.com. You can listen to the podcast on the show at royinch.com by hitting the inch by inch button on the homepage. You know, please get out to the home show. Say hello to Steve. He'll be working hard there along with Adam and Audrey and Nathan. And Gary. And Gary. And make sure you check out where Peter's hiding in the booth. We've kind of put me there in spirit, even though I uh, I won't be able to make it. And by all means, if you're up in Stratford, um, you know, come find me. T- today I'll be wearing a white jacket, which I look like a billboard. I got all the events all over me. And, of course, on Sunday with the finals, I'll be in my dressed reds, ready to present the medals to the winning teams that will be going to Copenhagen, Denmark, to play for Canada. Very cool. As we say at the shop, life is hard by the yard, by the inch, life's a cinch. We'll see you next week.